What's up, podcast listeners? This is Miguel, just stopping in right before a great, another great episode of Live and Create today. Just letting you know that Wednesday, August 11th, Move On officially drops. And if you're listening to this on Tuesday, it's tomorrow. If you're listening to it on Wednesday, it is today. So make sure you go stream it. Make sure you share it. Uh, again, Move On drops August 11th on all platforms. So any of your favorite platforms, check it out. There'll be a link in the show notes. And uh, yeah, let's go ahead and get to today's episode. What is up? I am Miguel Antonio, and this is the Live and Create Podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. On today's episode, we have Rachel Loveless. Rachel is a creative powerhouse and musician that lends her talents to several bands, including Mickey P and the Swallowtails, Times and Places, and Sisterbot. She stepped out of the classical world as a bassoonist and is continually finding new styles of music to adapt to, and she overflows with love and passion for the musical community she is a part of. Rachel and I explore the topic of balance in life and how the non-music-focused activities can make your art more inspired. We also talk about the creative process and putting the necessary prep into creating a great work of art, and she provides a unique perspective in how her choice of playing a bassoon has come to embody her own experience as a multiracial woman. It's a great episode. Enjoy. The Live and Create Podcast. Starting pretty good? Uh, Yeah, you know... um just trying to rebalance myself today. So yeah, been yeah. a crazy weekend. I've had um, family and friends in town, just kind of like family visiting, and then a couple friends passing through Kansas City um, onto Colorado. So I've just been hosting everybody. So nice. <laughs> yesterday gotcha. was like clean up the house, get everything organized, and then today's uh, clean myself up. <laughs> I, I get that. Like this might be your only social interaction for the rest of the day kind of deal. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> right on. And I'm, I'm very, today. what's that? I said, I don't have rehearsals today. So, you know, nice. Thanks nice to separate yourself from that. <laughs> well, that'll be a win. I'll try to make this as painless as possible, but oh, I'm sure it's <laughs> I'm very extroverted myself, but if I have a lot, like I, I experience a lot on tour because tour is just nonstop people. And like my guys would notice like, like, oh, he's done. Like I would just hit yeah. a wall. And so I, I can, I feel like I, I can relay a little bit where if I had people all weekend, it's like, I need a, I need a day, man. I need a day yeah, just to chill. For sure. I, um, I actually work at a brewery. That's like my main income right now okay. and i'm usually just like mentally drained from just like people talking to me you know i bet, <laughs> I bet. are you a bartender there or are you doing the brew master stuff or um i've done i've dabbled in the brewing stuff um while we were short uh, like we had a, an assistant brewer that quit recently so i was learning uh, like how to clean tanks and stuff like that and okay i've brewed before um with the head brewer but nice. my main thing is the bar because it's you know the way i can make the most money in the littlest amount of time so i can focus right. on other things. <laughs> <laughs> no i get that that's awesome though you've done so you've done brewing there or brewing on your own brewing there yeah oh, okay I didn't know if you yeah. had like a little secret beer stash, like in your basement. Oh, that you're like homebrewing would be so cool. Like my dad, that's what my dad did in college. That's how he paid for a lot of his living in college. So, but I don't, I just don't have the time for it. <laughs> no, I get that. I, I often would tell people like, I want friends that love smoking meat and brewing beer and distilling whiskey, but I never want to do it. I just want to go help them try out the things, their hobbies. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. Cause yeah, I don't know how I would be able to fit it in all the different things I'm doing and, and like learning more and more about what you're up to. I, I could definitely see you would have no time. So you're also, yeah. you're working at the brewery you're in uh, like 15 different projects. Is that what it is? Yeah. No, yeah. No. <laughs> how, so how many projects are you working in and what are they? If you could tell um, the listeners. Yeah, so um, my main project that I work with is Mickey P and the Swallowtails. Um, that's kind of how I emerged out of the classical world, I would say. Um, and then, you know, I ended up going back to school for a master's degree in jazz. Nice. Um, and then I started working with um, my partner's project um, called Times and Places, which is kind of like a singer, like a fusion between singer songwriter with like emphasis in jazz and rock. Yeah, I dig uh, the vibe of it. It had like a... Uh like Robert Glasper kind of feel to it. I saw it. Is that Desmond uh, in there with you guys? Yeah. He's, he's going to be on the podcast about in about a month or so, I think from now, but I saw him in there. I was like, nice, like some talented folks in there. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm like sweating constantly playing with them. Cause I'm like, ah, <laughs> keep shit together. Keep... <laughs> yeah. and, and what was the name of that group again? Times and places. Times and places. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, his, my boyfriend's passion project and uh he always wants me to be a part of it so. <laughs> nice that's awesome where you guys that. can create together and kind of explore a whole new uh world i guess so of merging so many things together yeah it's nice because um he so right now uh currently i'm working during the days and he's working during the evenings it's kind of started when um you know pandemic hit he got a job working for ups because gigs were just completely gone right um but he's working night shift and that's continued on for almost a year and a half now um he's like working to like switch it over so he because gigs are coming back and he wants to pick up gigs again. Um, but it was kind of our time to like get to hang out with each other really is working yeah. on this project. Cause other than That's that, cool. I was asleep when he was awake and I, <laughs> he was <asleep laughs> so you, you find the two hours in between and you're like, Hey, let's create something kind of deal. Right. Exactly. Right. Sometimes, you know, depending on our moods is definitely like harder than other days, but <laughs> it's still, the outcome is a lot of fun. <laughs> I could imagine. I could imagine. Now, so that started during uh, uh, the pandemic for you guys? Yeah. Um, okay. I think like the very first video re we recorded together was just like in his small like studio apartment downtown. Um, we had another friend who plays cello come in and um, we just kind of put something together and then it kind of grew over time. We added in um, Tony Reyes on drums um, I think Nick Douglas also played in a video and then Desmond has been doing keys for it as well. So that's awesome. Very yeah, cool. So I, that project. And then also playing with, um, Addie Dancy's group called sister bot. Um, and they have a whole album. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's been like a, a recent change in name just because it's, you know, it pops out a little bit more rather than saying Addie rocket Dancy. Um, so we're doing a big show in July for um, their album release, which this album has been, you know, in the works for almost two and a half years now. So nice. I'm excited for it to come out. So we'll have high, high expectations, right? You oh, every yeah. every note, absolute perfect, the right note, right? <laughs> well, it's been so much time since we've like recorded all these little bits, and so tomorrow I have my first uh, rehearsal with uh, another horn player, Trevor Turla. Um, yeah. So kind of reform our parts because i'm like dang i can't remember what i played for that you know <laughs> <In so long. laughs> that's how i remember my previous band uh we did the ep 
And then we did a whole bunch of marketing whole and a whole lot of like stuff in between. And then when the new songs came out, it's almost like we had to reteach ourselves the parts. And in a way right. it was a really, it was a helpful exercise to where I just hired our old bass player to do a duo with me. And it's been like a few years since we played together, but having to reteach it, he started laughing. He's like, I literally think I could do the whole set now again, just because yeah. you had to like dismantle every little piece and be like, what the hell was I doing there? I don't even know. <laughs> right. Right. And, and I think it's cool too, that so much time has passed because we've grown so much as musicians in the past two years. So, you know, maybe there's something different that we would want to add into it for the live performance that you wouldn't necessarily get on the actual album. Absolutely. That's awesome. Now, yeah. I, now I'm familiar with you uh, because of the Mickey P and the Swallowtails and all the things you guys are doing and then starting to learn about like what you're up to as well. It just seems like creativity oozes from all of you guys in the group <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, and, yeah. and it, it kind of explodes together as you work together. But uh, it, it, I don't know. It just seems like creativity is like a core of at least who you are as an artist and has it always has it always flowed from you that way like creative the creative process oh yeah I think like that's kind of how I spend my free time in my head is just kind of like oh what can I create whether it's like musically or because I do a lot of um like photoshop stuff for um the swallowtails so it's like oh what can I do with these pictures that we've created um or if it's just you know, making things, sewing clothes or something. I just always feel like I'm, that's how I spend my free time, at least to get something out. <laughs> right. It's kind of everything you're doing. You want to find a different angle, if you will. Yeah. Cause I, and you know, I think I've been focusing a lot on this like word balance. And I think if everything was music for me, as far as like a creative outlet, then I would go a little crazy because it's not like I can always just automatically um, get out what I need to say with just music. Right. So. Well, and it seems like uh, the, well, one thing I've enjoyed, I guess, about a lot of these conversations talking to different artists is hearing how other parts of their lives influence their craft and their art. And yeah. I think it makes it richer almost. I Because creativity, I think it's it's about being able to, connect two things that almost shouldn't go together in a way. And so right. I think that's cool where like for you, it sounds like it's almost a discipline to say, no, I'm going to try to apply my creativity in a different place. And then, and do you, do you see that impacting like when you're sewing clothes or, or Photoshopping, do you see that those lessons you learned there uh, come back into your music? Oh yeah, for sure. And I don't think it's like anything as far as, um, that I can actually recognize, but I think it, it, the energy that I'm able to like spend in other areas, I'm able to bring back. Cause I feel a little bit more refreshed, um, to get back into the music. Uh, and it just feels like a little overwhelming with the music sometimes <laughs> where you need a break almost. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get that. I, I had a season where I was like writing, 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 nonstop, like every single day, just kicking out songs and, and, uh, and filing them away uh, for a project I was working on. And I just got to a point where I was angry and frustrated all the time. And a good friend of mine, excuse me, um, a good friend of mine is also a producer. I was just calling him. I was bitching about things. I'm like, I'm so mad. I feel like I can't write. And it's like, I'm stuck. Like I'm hitting a wall. He's yeah. like, well, you, you probably should stop writing for a while. Just he's <laughs> like, take your kids to the park, go, go get out, kind of experience life. And 
and that I think ever since then, that was a few years ago where trying to apply like my life, I, I guess the richer my life becomes with the people I love and the experiences I have, I feel like then I can, I'm refreshed in a way to bring that to my own writing. You find inspiration elsewhere. You know, I think like, um, I've been working on a song of mine, um, recently and I, the only way that song came about was me just going on a walk, you know, and like seeing, um, it was like during spring and all the like tree buds were budding and the flowers were coming out and a song came from it, you know? That's awesome. So it's cool that we can take experiencing other aspects in our lives and then incorporating it into our songs. Well, and I, I wish I could remember what book it was from, but they were telling the story of uh, the writers who created Let It or, uh, was it Frozen? Was that the one with the song Let It Go in it? Yeah, uh, the yeah, big yeah. Hit, right? Um, my boys, I always try to get them to watch it, but they wouldn't watch it. <laughs> so I, I'm now I'm going to have to like watch it on my own someday. Um, but yeah. they were talking about, uh, they basically pitched it and then it got pushed back to them as writers and a lot of notes like change this, change that, work on that. And so they, they went to work to try to figure it out, but finally they just left where they were working. I think they, they said they were walking through Washington Square Park, just kind of taking a break. And that's where the song Let It Go started coming about for them. And that's where the ideas hit them. And, and well, now that's history at that point. Like every, every person in the world at that point knew <laughs> that song. So it was a powerful, I think a powerful testament of, of rest is part of the process in a right. way. Right, right. We were um, just yesterday. So next week, we're gonna, the Swallowtoes, we're going to be in the recording studio recording an EP. Um, and we've been just kind of taking our time with getting these arrangements together and figuring out what we want for these songs. And yesterday, you know, we were kind of hitting that wall. We we're just like, oh, I don't, it's missing something, but we don't know what it is and we can't, you know, vocalize it. And I was just kind of like, let's just sit on it. Let's give us like four days. We'll get back together. And then we'll see if it comes up. If it doesn't, then we could just see how it goes in the studio. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, we'll just go in, see what happens there. Like, are you like light years ahead of our last album? Just because we, you know, we did so much arranging in the studio, and this time we're actually arranging before the studio. So it's just going to be a completely different experience for us. Like when we recorded that album, we were so young. It was the first time we were in the studio together as a group, but now I feel like we're a little bit more rounded and it's nice. I'm excited to get in there. (laughs) That's awesome. I'm excited to hear what comes for that process. I know uh, the one of the last few like the last tracks I've done and I'm working on a bunch of singles. I, I keep wanting to say like an EP, but I'm releasing them all as singles. But yeah. I, so my band's last EP and then I've, I have probably like six or seven singles that are either done or in the process and going into those processes, having basically before stepping into the studio, we finally, like we would chart every little piece, like create right. like, like you're a full rough draft, which was hilarious because from when we first started, the rough drafts were better than even our final product from when we first, right. <laughs> and then, then going in and man, the first time doing that, it was, it was, to me, it's, it sounds strange because it was all already done, but it felt freeing in the studio where you didn't yeah. have to, you weren't burning money arguing about like, a, a guitar line or exactly. <laughs> or trying to figure out your vocals and all that so well and like I think um what's fun about it too is uh so 
Addie, who's a cellist in the group, and I both went to school together for orchestral playing. And so kind of the way that we arrange things is very much like part by part, section by section, and finding lines that are very similar to how we play an orchestra too, which is kind of crazy, but it's like, we want to map it out kind of like a score almost. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I, and I, even when I approach like, uh, cause I do more pop rock and some just like a touch of Americana, just cause I love it so much. Um, I'm almost wary of saying it's that, but it's kind of what influences it. But I love when I perform, especially with bands, I love where everyone knows where they're going and they know the parts and how the parts fit together. And that, to me, that, that is a a joyous process in a lot of ways. Yeah. 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 It's fun. Um, and again, I think that's like a part of the creative process too, is just like being able to work with other people and, Mm. um, you know, maybe I only have one part of the idea and then somebody adds the idea and it becomes a full idea. And I think that's really magical, you know, we all you have guys, are you guys in the producer or working with the producer at all? Or are you guys um, still producing it? We're mostly doing the producing ourselves. Um, Joel Nanos is the engineer that we're working with, but he okay. also like, you know, kind of gives us like, Oh, don't do that. Don't do this. Do that. <laughs> he's got your, he's got your back. He's like, I know you he's, guys think yeah, that's cool. He's got, but. he's got ears that just simplifies everything. And sometimes we get a little too complicated. I think it, it is that orchestral background. So, <laughs> so that's awesome. With him. Yeah. <laughs> it's handy to have that. That's I, I often on all my projects now have different producers I'm working with and, and I find that so valuable because yeah, some of the things, even the things I remember the first time we did, uh, with my previous band, uh, we, we had like a time change and a bridge and like doing all these things that we thought were really cool. And he's like, yeah, you guys pretty much just killed the song. Like, it's cool. You (laughs) pulled that off, but you killed the song. So the whole vibe's gone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that outside influence can, can help. And they're not married to it as much as I think we get married to those processes, you know? Right. Um, yesterday we were working on, um, just kind of some more like experimental sounds with our instruments and one kind of, um, intimate section, but I have a feeling that that's, he's going to be like, you're ruining the songs. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. You could do it live. You could do yeah. it live. That's what, <laughs> yeah. that's what, uh, that's what, what producer always say is like, Hey, if you want to do this live, that's fine. But like the track, you, let's not do it for the track. Okay. Cause yeah, yeah. live, you can engage them in so many different ways. Um, right. So yeah. you, you come from that classical background, right? So you're yeah. a bassoonist. Uh, what do you play other instruments as well or is that like your main instrument um i so i i originally played drums um when i was a kid kid and then in middle school i switched to bassoon because i went to an arts middle school um and they're like hey you should nice. play and i was like oh okay <laughs> Go play that bassoon. um and it worked out because i love it um i love that it's such a unique instrument and I love the feeling of being unique, not in like a cocky way, but I think that's always been my identity because I'm half Asian and half white. And so I've never really fit into any type of group really. Right. Um, so I think that's like the instrument embodies who I am. Hmm. Um, but I started um, 
play bassoon, but I also, I mean, no piano just from having classical training. Right. Um, are kind then, of fans I, of making you get that proficiency. Yeah. <laughs> you know, those four semesters, those painful semesters of like 8 a.m. classes playing scales. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> four, four part is what killed me learning that. I swear to God, they just passed me uh, once I f- went in for my final because oh, yeah. they were like, oh, he's a rock vocalist. Just pass him. God. Yeah, it was like the corral, the corral <laughs> parts that I couldn't, like where it was like the crosshand. I was like, absolutely yeah. not. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. I play piano, but I like do chords, <laughs> like a little right, fill right. here. And that's about it. Right. <laughs> but yeah, those are the main instruments. And I sing too, but. That's pretty cool. And so that's interesting. Excuse me. I'm having like, <clears throat> I don't know if it's allergies or what, but um, it's interesting to hear like your, so growing up, uh, being mixed race, then that being embodied, even your own instrument. I don't think I've ever heard someone speak about it that way. Where, what did it look like for you to discover that, that connection for you? Like, what was that process like? I think it's definitely been a recent, um, kind of realization for me. Um, you know, I, I felt like when I was in the classical field and I mean, I'm still, I still am like I'll gig, um, doing orchestral gigs sometimes, but I think I realized I wanted to go to get a jazz degree because I was really interested in learning improv. Um, and so my first year doing a master's degree in jazz, I was like, oh man, I really don't fit in here either (laughs) because not only am I, you know, learning a whole new art form where like everybody around me had been doing, um, that art form, as long as I'd been playing classical bassoon, it was very overwhelming. Um, so it wasn't only that, but I was also a woman in a male dominated field playing an instrument that does not fit (laughs) into the media. (laughs) And I was like, why am I, why am I doing this to myself? You know? And I kind of just like talking to my sister, um, who has also like kind of struggled with this. Um, she was like, it's because you're, she was the one that was like, it's because you're, you know, you're different. You've always been different. And it's not because of, um, you know, like the way we were raised or anything like that, but it's just who you are. So it's been a recent thing that I'm just kind of, you know, I'm still trying to learn about it and try to figure it out. Yeah. That's pretty cool though. It's yeah. That's a unique take on it. Um, growing up that way. And, and I have family who's I'm, I'm mixed as well, but I don't look like I am. And so I've never, I, I honestly don't, I've never felt like that different thing. Cause I realized I just navigated through life like a white dude <laughs> at all times, but I have some, some family who's mixed uh, and my kids are mixed and, and it's like seeing the, the world through their eyes and, and, and that differences, like everywhere you go, no matter which culture, which side of the family you're with, uh, there is something that's just like, oh, I'm kind of the odd person out. And, yeah. uh, but then for you to find that connection, even in, in the fact that you're a bassoonist in, you know, rock bands and jazz bands, and <laughs> that that's a powerful thing. That's really cool. Yeah. It's, you know, it's hard, um, feeling like you don't have a, a place that you fit in with other people, but I think you almost have to like remind yourself of who you are, but also strip yourself of that kind of like image. You know, I think hmm. I spent a lot of my life growing up not recognizing that and just kind of going through um not like necessarily pretending but just not knowing that I was different and Mm so I think as I got older where I was being not like called out but a lot more people are asking me like what 
what are you? <laughs> and that was just so weird to me. Like, like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> but I think once I moved to, uh, to like away from home, I, I, um, lost a sense of identity being away from my family. And hmm. so like, reforming that identity, I've recognized that more, um, as far as like being, um, mixed, uh, here in Kansas city. So right. is it, is it because you, you find yourself like in groups with people who don't look like you, don't have like more of a, is it you're, you said Pacific Islander? Uh, my mom is from Hong Kong. Yeah. So oh, okay. uh, Chinese. Mm-hmm. Chinese. Okay. But is it because you, you find yourself in groups where there's just not a, a lot of people who, who look that way. So it's, it's caused you, I'm trying to feel like where it's caused you to want to grab a hold more of that culture for you. Is right. that what's happening? <laughs> Yeah, I think the distance from like my grandparents too. I'm not like okay. around my grandparents and with their cooking, so it like makes me miss home almost. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Now, do you, now has the music community because it seems like you're very heavily involved with uh, different people, very close to a lot of folks. Has that become like a family for you in a way? Oh, oh yes. I mean, it was really nice um, having my my parents in town. Um, and my mom and dad just kind of sat down with me. We had like a quiet moment together. Um, and they're like, it's just really nice to see that you've created such a good community here and that you've created a family here. Um, yeah. It's hard for us to hear that because, you know, you know, they're your parents. They want you to go back home. <laughs> but That's right. I think they're at ease knowing that I'm happy and have a good family, you know. Yeah, that's cool. Here in when I get that, my oldest is, uh, he's looking at colleges right now and he, he graduates at December and mm-hmm. we're processing through like, oh my God, yeah. he's going to leave, you know, he's looking at places out of state and, uh, which we want, we, we want that for him. But then the reality is like, oh damn. Yeah. Is gone. it your first so, kid that's going to college? Yeah. Our, our okay. oldest one. So we have four boys and, but yeah, our oldest one, he's, he's graduating a semester then and starting that life. So I, I can see where your parents are like, I'm excited for you. I wish you'd come home, but I love you <laughs> and enjoy it. <laughs> you do what you want to do, but come home. Like, <laughs> how many times are you going to visit this year? <laughs> That's awesome. Now, where where are you originally from? Um, I'm originally from Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, nice. Very cool. Yeah. So now, how, do you end up here for school? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I had uh, my band director in high school. He did his undergraduate here with uh, Marita Abner, who used to be the um, second soon as for the Kansas City Symphony. Um, she retired, I don't want, I want to say like two, one or two years ago, maybe two years ago. Um, but I had um, options to go to other schools. Like I had Cincinnati, which like at the time was like my dream school. Really glad I didn't go there. But <laughs> like that's a whole other podcast, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it, it just kind of was meant to be, honestly. Like I found out, um, I think like a week before I graduated high school that I was going to move to Kansas city flew out here. And I remember getting off at the airport and just being like, Oh God, what am I getting myself into? And then we got into the city and I was like, Oh, this is, this is chill. I like this. Like, it's got that big city, small town vibe. Yeah. Somehow it blends the two. It's the, it is a very unique city in that way. So yeah. Yeah. Every, all of my friends who've passed through Kansas city to, like either go to festivals out in Colorado or just to come visit me. Or I was like, this is a really cool place. That's like off the radar, yeah. which I think is nice, but also hard for people in the music scene here. Cause it's like, how do we get 
how do we get Kansas City known as a big music industry, you know? Right. Well, I know early on um, for me, like of trying to grow things, I, I was actually coached by other people who were seeing success from Kansas City. They were like, if you want to see success, you're going to have to leave this city. Like, and they didn't mean necessarily move, but they're basically, they're like, you need to two your asses off. And so we took them at yeah. their word <laughs> and, and started right. doing that and, and did see, it was interesting because we saw even in, once we started touring, we even saw like better success back home here at Kansas City right. <laughs> where people are like, oh, they're really doing it and, and growing. But right. it is, it's sometimes like when we're, when we're on the East coast or West coast or whatever, people are like, Oh, Kansas city. And like, I've even had people say like, do you have like horses like next to you? Like they just the perception of it. It's like, yeah. what's that? Do you live in cornfields? Like- yeah. <laughs> well, it's even like uh, Lawrence, even though it's like a smaller town. I remember, do you remember a series called heroes a long time ago? It was like a WB ish type like superhero type thing. I don't think I remember that. It's not as important, but basically (laughs) there was this story with Lawrence, Kansas, which I think of Lawrence, Kansas is a really cool town. It's like tons of art, tons of music. And basically it was like a cornfield and a broken down (laughs) farmhouse. And I was like, fuck you. Like (laughs) Lawrence is better than this. And, but yeah, it's how do I, I do feel like there's potential though, uh, as the city continues to grow, the art scenes that are growing, the venues, like I feel like at any given point, there used to be maybe one venue that was really happening. Now there's just multiple venues that luckily survived the pandemic and are creating new things and the hunger for art uh, in general, just the creative like process in this city. I do think there is potential for it to make a a bigger name for itself. Right, and like I I was overwhelmed on uh, first Friday this past Friday. Cause it was like, Oh my gosh, there's so much going on. What do, yes. we, what do we go see? Like, there's so many things like, like how do I you even choose not being at the, <laughs> the other place? Like yeah. I had a show Friday and I went to another show before my show, you know, it's like, like, how do you fit all this stuff in? Right. And I think that's a really, that is like the perfect representation of Kansas city throughout the entire week. Like we talk about how, even like before pandemic, any given night, you can go see like any type of art form that you wanted to. Absolutely. Like word, you could go see music, you could go see jazz, you could see classical. It was just crazy, crazy. So much going on here. Absolutely. Now in your experience, like thinking of that idea, what do you feel, what do you feel is like the, the biggest opportunity Kansas city has creatively right now? Like, and maybe not asking that question correctly, like, what do you think, what's the next step that you see the city needing to take or artists needing to take to really put the city on the map? I'm curious. Man, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot um, just because of like the pandemic and everything shutting down and seeing how many artists were still like being supported by the Kansas City community online. But I feel like Kansas City has this huge like local kind of feel they like support local and everything's like yeah we love kansas city and it's like that kind of energy within the large-scale community not just like in the music community needs to be brought here or needs to be recognized you know like we've always talked about how do we get people who are not in the music scene to come to our shows you know right same love for the city that they have needs to be shown in the music scene that's a good point i like that that's uh there's an artist uh who was on my podcast a few 
I think a few weeks ago, his episode drops next week. And we talked about that uh, a few times, like the, this idea of like other bands, it's, you can't really have, you can't depend on a following of other artists. <laughs> it's like, cause we're right. all working. Like most of the time he's like, Hey, I'm playing tonight. And it's like, okay, cool. Can't come. I'm playing here. <laughs> you know, those kind of yeah. things. <laughs> Usually the only time we can see each other is if we share the stage. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, like, that concept of it's it's going to be your engineers it's going to be your accountants your you know day workers all the people who just love music and want to come out and support it how do we connect with them yeah what has worked for you guys in that because i know you guys are building a following do you do you feel like anything's worked really well to to branch out really just word of mouth honestly i feel like i mean we've you know created a lot of content during um kind of the shutdown but really the only thing that truly works is like talking to somebody about the band and saying like, this is what I do. This is what we do. It's really unique. You should check it out. Like take their phone and be like, here's us on Spotify and make them listen to it. You know, nice. that's like the best way to do. And I've, for me personally in the band, I've had a lot of success working at a bar just because I talked to regulars and I've had, we have such a huge following of regulars at casual animal, just because I've talked to everybody about it. (laughs) Because, you know, they, they ask you what you do and, and then you get in a conversation about it. And right. we've played a couple shows at the brewery. So then those people come out and they bring their friends, you know, that's the most success we've had so far. That's but awesome. Again, like when we were touring, we were getting a lot more um, followings outside of Kansas, Kansas City, which was nice because, right. um, you know, that some people would want to see our shows again when we'd come back, but then shutdown happened. We weren't touring anymore. And it's like, how do we get back on our feet with touring? And yeah, cause you all were hustling. I, I love just like watching and following on Instagram, what you guys are up to. And like, this is me motioning to where I just saw you guys touring and like going yeah, right. everywhere. I talk with my hands. Sorry. If anyone's watching the video, they're like, why is he doing this? But, um, <laughs> what <is> this gesture, <laughs> my gestures. <laughs> But, but yeah, that was, that was amazing to see and what you guys are growing and it did it. And it felt like there was even a bigger buzz again for you guys back home, because yeah. I think often what happens when I, I saw it happen with us when we were touring uh, with myself, uh, when I was touring right before everything <laughs> shut down as a solo person and for other bands, like the more they're going out, like the more, it's almost like the more respect people grow. Yeah. They're like, Oh shit. They, like they're hustling. Like we need to be at the next show. Uh, yeah. There's a great, great band making movies. Are you familiar with them? <laughs> yeah, like, and probably one of my, one of my faves uh, in this town. And, and that's why I've seen like more and more as they, they go outside of the city. I'm doing the gesture again. That's so weird. It's like taking up the whole camera, but uh, <laughs> it's, I need it. Anyways, um, I it was really <laughs> distracting for myself. I hope it wasn't for anyone no, watching. <laughs> but the more they go out and the things they've done, like playing, I, I remember when they played for the president of Panama and had that opportunity. It's like, oh, damn. It's like, yeah, yeah, next time they're here, we better go see them because we may not right. see them for another year kind of deal. Uh, exactly. I think cool. that happened with like Herman Mahari in town too. Like, Oh, yes, absolutely. York and then I went to Paris like and when he comes back there's only a limited amount of times so that you can see him play so it's like right. everybody wants to go see him play like get your it's ass awesome. out there everyone's yeah. trying to get him in the band so they could come see him play in their band <laughs> exactly I mean he's an amazing amazing musician and just absolutely human well-rounded human <laughs> that's awesome um so you had mentioned this word balance earlier on uh balance and creativity 
Um, was that a concept and word that that came to you during the pandemic, or is that something you've been, uh, I guess, working with like internally for a while? I think it's something I've been working internally with for a long time. Um, just because I don't think it's a perfect science, you know, everybody's life changes constantly and you almost have to kind of like, like kind of what I said this morning, what are you doing today? I'm like, Oh, I'm restarting myself. (laughs) (laughs) Reset button. Um, But I think that if, as long as I'm able to recognize, okay, I need to rearrange the balance in my Mm -hmm. life. And I'm, I've been thinking a lot about the two words that go together is like balance and boundaries Hmm. because I have a hard time saying no to everybody, you know? And, um, I've been just trying to figure out, okay, if I want to do these things and if I want, I need, here are the things I need to accomplish this week. Here are the things I want to do this week. And how do I make that work to make myself happy? Because Mm -hmm. I, have spent way too much time just driving myself to the ground to where I, you know, I, I get to the point sometimes where I just want to quit music completely. Right. And that's kind of where I got at the end of my um, undergraduate degree. I wasn't really happy with the people that I was playing with. I wasn't really happy with um, the outcome of the concerts and mm-hmm. like the product we were creating. So I, I'm really glad I took a year off. I worked for an arts nonprofit did the administrative side of things, which I'd been doing before. Um, it just took some time and really figured out like, okay, well, what is it that I really want with music? Um, and then kind of reestablished that. So that's cool. I mm-hmm. saw a, a meme today where it was like two pictures, a picture of a bath with like flower petals and candles and said, what, what, self, what people think self-care looks like. And then it was <laughs> just a picture in a, of someone talking and it just said, no, underneath it. It's like yeah. what self-care actually is like when, and when you said boundaries, <laughs> that's what it made me think of. Um, and it seems like that is such a, a piece of the artist mentality in a way. I, a lot of artists I talk to, I know myself as well, that like, it's almost like we want to be involved with so many things and keep, right. keep building and building. But then, like I said, it's, it's like, uh, I've, I've quit music like twice, uh, you know, two or three <laughs> times throughout my career to where like, I'm done, fucking done. I'm out and I'm going to go get a real job and, you know, do whatever. And, and then finally had to have some internal healing and understanding. And sounds right. like you, you watched that, walk that same road. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, it's okay to say no. And I, I, I also think it was a weird phase of like being in school, right. You know, you're a student, you're trying to learn how to, how this world works. And then you're bridging into being a professional. And when do you start saying no to things that aren't going to like move you forward to that professional world, like doing free gigs, doing free work, like how do you bridge that? And I was just like, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this for free. I'm sorry. Like my, I've gone to school for this, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. Like, I have a degree in this. Would you have an engineer or would you have a doctor like come in and like you know, <laughs> ask them to do free work? <laughs> <laughs> and the other question is a great question to ask is if someone, if a doctor was doing free work, would you want to hire them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, and I, I think, I think when it comes to music <clears throat> as well, when you value your art, like, and well, and I've seen that with like booking where there was a client that a friend of mine was working with who owns a booking agency. And they were talking about uh, hiring some cheaper bands because they were starting to like pay bands pretty well and things were going really well. 
and they they were like oh we're thinking of maybe we saw these people were hiring these other bands way cheaper and he's like well just ask yourself do you want to be associated with those cheaper bands do you want your brand associated with people who don't value their own art and that was basically all they had to say and they're like oh damn no we're building our brand and so we want things that are going to bring value to us and that was a huge lesson for me where i was like "Ooh, i like that like both ends of it are so true was yeah. it someone did someone coach you in that uh or was that just something you woke up one day and you're like you know what fuck it i'm not doing anything else for free <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it's been a process of many people telling me that. Okay. <laughs> but maybe it's been it's been my boyfriend that's just like, don't do that. Ask like ask for money. It's not a big deal. Like just ask for nice. money. It's really hard, you know. Um, especially when you're in school, like you're doing a lot of free work. <laughs> right. That's kind of part of the gig at that moment, right? <laughs> right, right. But it's, you know, more and more and as and I as I have more pride in myself, I'm able to like feel comfortable asking that, you know, and one thing we discussed the other day and with the small just cause we have a show coming up in June and we're like, Oh, the tickets are $20. Like that seems really pricey for a lot of, you know, people who come out to see us. And, um, Trevor was just like, you guys are worth $20 to see, you know, yeah. like don't feel bad about asking people to pay that kind of money to see you play. Absolutely. And sets the tone where it's like, you guys put so much work into it, sets the tone. It's like, Hey, we're doing something for real and it's worth your investment. And some, I think people are drawn to that. Honestly, yeah. I really do. I think well, after a lot of people are like, hell yeah. And if people are hungry for live music as they are right now, then they'll come out, they'll show up. You know what I mean? Right. So. And and that's what's been cool to see everything open up and get rolling again. Um, it, I got three more questions for you uh, wrapping up, but I'm curious. So be, being in the classical world, what what was it that got you to to explore all these different genres? Because my experience with classical world is very very rigid. Um, I remember someone in my program. She was a violinist in the classical program. And uh, she started playing with a rock band at yeah. <laughs> on weekends. And like there was talks of her almost getting kicked out uh, kind of deal. So it, it was a very rigid world. So what drove you to step outside that world? I think the biggest thing was like, I didn't feel challenged. Hmm. I didn't feel like creatively challenged. Right. Um, it was very much just like show up, play what's written on the page try to perfect what was written on the page, even though perfection is just like such a (laughs) unattainable thing. (laughs) And so uh, it was actually Mickey that um, she was like, Hey, do you want to try to like play on a couple of my songs? And um, that kind of bridged me out into out of the classical world and into, you know, the pop rock and jazz world. But it was just, I think it was just that like creative um, draw to it. That's awesome. Very I was cool. tired of playing old white man music. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Creating something of your own. and Exactly. Uh, Having my own voice, I think, is the biggest thing. I love it. That's awesome. Well, last two questions based off uh, the title, Live and Create. Uh, I'll start with the first one. So right now in your life, how would you define living a great life? I think it kind of goes back to that conversation of like finding balance and being happy. Like, even if it's, you have to recreate that balance at the end of the day, if you are able to reach happiness, then you're living a great life. Right on. That's awesome. And then last question, uh, right now, how would you define creating great things? I think it's about 
having fun <laughs> with the people that you're creating with and also um, just having that emotional connection to them. It's it, you're, you know, you're communicating with other people in a different form that other others can't really understand. But then that, you know, piece of music that you create is put out there and then other people can have like their own views on what it is. That's cool. It almost sounds like where it's like if you you're creating something healthy with the people around you, then you have something healthy to invite other people into, you know, it's like almost like they would be drawn to that in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they can see the real beauty in it then. Well, that's awesome. Well, thanks for making the time today. I appreciate yeah, it. It was so great. Me. <laughs> no problem. Thank you for listening to the Live and Create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The Live and Create podcast.